Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. Money, 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 Dollar, dollar. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots Podcast, presented by the Whole Nine Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike Hernishan, lead Big Ten draft writer for Whole Nine Sports. You can find me on Twitter at Mike Spencer WNS. Joined as always by my friend, Mike, my, my co-host, my co-worker, Devin Jackson. Devin, how you doing tonight, buddy? Man, what's up, Mike? Uh, doing pretty good. You know, another week down. We were sure the Big Ten. Like we said last week, it was going to be a, a down week and. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, last week some shit. Uh, pardon my language, but last week was uh, not exactly the most exciting of weeks. Uh, but we'll get into that. There's no Mike's Weekly Rant. Honestly, guys, I've uh, just had a lot going on. Not a lot that really got me all that angry. So no point really wasting time on a rant that would feel kind of manufactured and inorganic. Because, uh, well, that's that, that's the sign of a good rant when it's when it's authentic and from the heart. But, uh, you know, we're recording this um, on Monday. And the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday night. And I figured that we could kind of uh, guess by the time that you guys are listening to this on Wednesday, this, uh, th- this is probably all going to be for naught. But, uh, Devin, you posed the question in the rundown of how many Big Ten teams are going to be in the top four. I would stretch that to the top five, and then uh, the top ten. So you pose the question. I'm going to let you answer it first. Uh, first of all, I think there will be two teams in the top four. Uh, Ooh. The rankings initially come out. Uh, I've seen reports kind of swirling around, but I think Penn State will enter as number four uh, ahead of Clemson at five. Um, but overall, I got LSU 1, Ohio State 2, uh, Alabama 3, Penn State 4, Clemson 5. Uh, then top 10-wise, I think uh, Minnesota might sneak in maybe the 10 spot. So I think the answer is the same uh, for the top 5 as it is the top 10. I think that there's only two. I think Minnesota is probably in that 11 to 13 range. Uh, just because they haven't really faced anyone yet. And I think that, you know, style points and, uh, and, and big wins are, are what the voters have, uh, well, really, really uh, put in the forefront over the last several years. And they don't really have a lot of that. But if I were to give you my top five, I think it's uh, LSU, Alabama, then Ohio State, um, and then Clemson four with Penn State five. I think that the top five is pretty set in stone, at least for this week. There's a big test coming this week, but um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously by the time that the the listeners are hearing this, what the real top four, top five, ten was. Um, yeah, I think that uh, that uh, really good, kind of a blind preview that. Well, we'll see how, how it stares when, uh, when Wednesday comes around. So, you mentioned it. It was not a good week in the Big Ten last week. We, all of, all of the um, delays that we had going to last week, both on a conference and a national, uh, sorry, and a national uh, level, it all came to fruition. Uh, whew. 
Yeah, this was this was not a good week. Uh, let's start off with Michigan pounding Maryland, thirty-eight to seven. Yeah, I mean, I unfortunately watched this game, uh, <laughs> and I highly regret watching the game because. So, oh, I'm a. I'm going to go ahead and let you finish, and then I, I got a nice tidbit about this game. Uh, Josh Jackson, man. Ooh. Still sucks? Yeah. Yeah. And I can't even put it all on him. Their offensive line is just terrible. They're undersized. Um, and they just can't they just can't block anybody. There's literally a play... Uh, his first interception of the game, well, it was his only interception, but both tackles attempted to cut the defensive ends and, like, bounced off of the defender's, like, thigh. And both of them, like, sandwiched Josh Jackson and forced him to throw a pick. It, it, was, it was bad. Um, the only bright spot for this team offensively, at least, is Javon Leak. Um, he's averaging, like, eight yards a carry. This season, which is insane. And I know we didn't we kind of glossed over the fact that he was, you know, kind of taking the reins at running back because we expected Anthony McFarland to be the guy. But I didn't realize coming into the season, him and Anthony McFarland were actually one and one A and that they were going to split carries the entire season. Um, But Javon Leak is uh, the only bright spot at this point. And Josh Jackson is not. He's about the same he was at Vitek. I mean, he'll win you a few games, but overall he's not that guy that's going to beat you throwing the ball 20, 25 times a game. Um, he has some athleticism running, but, I mean, it's a quarterback carousel right now at Maryland uh, and another team we'll talk about in just a little bit as well. And it's just sad to see. I mean, the defense, they got some pretty good – uh, talent. Um, Antoine Winfield is pretty good. Um, Antoine Brooks, I believe. That's actually his name. Um, yeah, Antoine Brooks. Antoine Brooks. He, he's been having a solid season. Keandre Jones, um, Ohio State transfer, actually. He played behind, he was behind Joey Bosa and Chase Young. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. So, sorry. I, I'm, watching, I'm watching the Grizzlies in, in Houston. Jay Crowder got punched in the groin and then ejected for it. What? Yeah. James Harden punched him in the groin, and Jay Crowder gets ejected for it. Wow. Anyway, sorry, I continue. I just looked up and realized that Jay Crowder was getting tossed. I'm like, wait, what? And then they showed him. He got, he got like, punched in the groin. Anyway, sorry. I got completely distracted by that. No, no, what happens fine. when I have basketball on, on, uh, on mute on my television? Uh, it's all good. Um... But I was just, more entertaining than Maryland. I'll tell you that much. Oh, most certainly. But I was just saying, uh, Keandre Jones, linebacker, outside linebacker from Maryland. Um, I think he'll be probably a late round selection, but he he has a lot of potential. This is his first year kind of playing for Maryland, but uh, just in general, this game was just not at all a battle. I mean, Maryland is is just continue to be a dumpster fire. Um, I'm actually not impressed with Michigan, Michigan's offensive line, I should say, after dominating Notre Dame like they did last week. Um, they just look kind of sloppy. I, I think, you know, for Michigan, who has now become a, a all-running team, basically, 
um, they have to play much better. You know, they got some tough tests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Um, but Maryland is just not good. Yeah. The, um, I did not record this game. I did not really watch a lot of this game. I, I watched the condensed version, and this game was over in about eight seconds because that's how long it took for Michigan to, to, to get their opening kickoff touchdown. And Maryland did what they did and just waved the white flag almost immediately at the sign of, of adversity. Um... This team still sucks. Michigan is peaking at the right time with some tests coming ahead. We'll see how legit they are. Uh, Thirty-eight to seven. I wish I didn't. Have, I wish I could have that like fifteen minutes that I watched back. How about two hours? Oh yeah. See, I actually uh, I didn't record either of the the noon games uh, in conference. Uh, and basically a lot of Saturday was condensed versions with the exception of one. And then I watched for my own sanity, uh, SMU versus, uh, Memphis. Uh, we'll get into the one I watched fully, uh, later. Uh, next up, Nebraska and Purdue, uh, 31, 27 for Purdue. I said that they would, oh, by the way, last week on the podcast, I said that Michigan would win 38 to 10. That's so, I, close. yeah, I also said that uh, Purdue would take a 34-31, and they won 31-27. So, I mean, I kind of nailed it this week. Um, but, yeah, Purdue, on their third quarterback, gets the win against Nebraska. Um, just more bad injury luck. Able to stave off uh, bowl ineligibility for another week. Uh Despite a, a good a good day from Nebraska in general and a, uh, from cornerback Lamar Jackson, yeah, he he's really emerging. I mean, we're seeing that teams are starting to get, garner more interest in him. And when you are six three two fifteen, I mean, teams want that. They want kind of easy to see why. Yeah, teams want that. They want him to be able to. Yeah, I mean, he's a physical corner. He can match up with. Uh, pretty much anyone. I mean, um, Chenault of Colorado, he matched up with them earlier this year, and he, he, I would say, he held it down. I mean, the with the exception of the Ohio State game, um, Lamar Jackson has largely played well. Lamar Jackson, he, uh, he looks. I mean, he's continued to rise up draft boards. Uh, but l let's also give, uh, you know, a little a little spotlight to Purdue. Uh, they had Drew Brees at the game. He gave a phenomenal pregame speech. Um, hmm, and the they, Saints fan wants to talk about Drew Brees, eh? They had to throw that in there, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, Purdue man, uh, Jeff Rom is is looking like he's he's probably gonna take a job somewhere bigger. I mean, the fact that he's on his third string quarterback, uh, you got a bunch of freshmen out there, freshman running back. Freshman quarterback, freshman wide receiver, uh, defenses has He's seen. Winning game. It's crazy. I mean, in a, one of the toughest conferences, too. I mean, it's not like these teams are, I mean, granted, they're having down years, but still, I mean, mm. Purdue has the most injuries in the conference easily, and they're still eking out wins. I mean, they could probably still make a bowl game at five and seven because there are teams that do Maybe. turn down bowl games, so. He could very well still end up in a bowl game. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I mean, 
they got they have a uh, it's it's not an easy road for them to go you know, ahead, but it it is possible. Um, let's let's get this next one out of the way. Uh, so we did spot Rutgers. Uh, well, I spotted Rutgers ten points. You said the offense would explode and score three. Uh, it was thirty-eight to ten. Uh, two takeaways from this game. Uh, at Illinois, Reggie Corbin is clearly the backup running back at this point because Dre Brown uh, appears to be the better playmaker. It, I mean, Reggie Corbin was the leading rusher for the team, but Brown just makes more of an impact. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's more just kind of the style because uh, Dre Brown can run between those more efficiently than Corbin. I mean, Corbin, he's small, kind of in his stature, uh, so he... I don't know. It's it's just weird. You want you see Corbin. He wants to bounce outside a lot quicker than a play warrants. Where Dre Brown, he's gonna stick with the hole and continue to kind of get north and south. So that would kind of be my only kind of criticism of Reggie Corbin. I don't know. Maybe you see kind of a uh, a position change from Corbin um, at some point. Maybe he becomes a slot receiver. I'm not sure. Um, because you know, we know how tough it is for kind of small running backs, or maybe he turns into a receiving running back, uh, kind of like a James Gray, uh type of deal, that type of running back. So I don't, I don't know at this point where Corbin kind of is in NFL scout size, um, and kind of where they sit. But it, it looks like uh, he might become kind of that third down scat back in the NFL compared to every down back that Dre Brown made end up being for sure. My next takeaway from this game, uh, Delhi Harding. Uh, and I did look it up. It is Delhi. Uh, it's kind of like the, there's a, I think it was a soccer player, uh, where it's spelt the same way and it's Delhi. Uh, Delhi Harding, the linebacker from Illinois. Uh, what did he have in this game? He had 12 tackles, a forced fumble and an interception. And that interception he took back to the house. This guy is skyrocketing up my board. Um, yeah, this this dude. Listen to these. Listen to these these stats, man. So he had the game I just mentioned against Rutgers. The week before, he had a down game against Purdue. Nine tackles, a forced fumble. <laughs> uh, against Wisconsin, sixteen tackles and a fumble recovery. Against Michigan, thirteen tackles. Against Minnesota, fifteen tackles and an interception. Which oh yeah, he took back to the house as well. Uh, against Nebraska, 12 tackles and a forced fumble. Against Eastern Michigan, 17 tackles. <laughs> he has been held under 10 tackles three times this year. That's it. This dude is an animal. How am I just finding out about him in these last couple of weeks? Man, well, By the way, he's a senior, so Jim Nagy, get this guy to Mobile. Well, he says he's giving out his uh, senior bowl advice this week, so I'm, I pray that he's going to be there. Cause it, I really like a, hope he's there, man. He's like a tackling machine. He reminds me so much of kind of like Darius Leonard. Uh, you know who he reminds me of? Who? He reminds me a lot of, of like, do you remember Kentrell Brothers? Yep. Yep. That, like, I mean, Kentrell Brothers... Uh, I think he's a more athletic version of Cantrell Brothers because, like, Brothers would like rack up like eighteen tackles in a game for Minis uh, for Missouri, but he couldn't really like do much else. He wasn't a, a threat in the in the pass game at all, 
And it's one of the reasons why Cantrell Brothers is not starting on an NFL roster. I don't even know if he's on an NFL roster at this point. Dele Harding, he, you can drop him in coverage. He is a three-down linebacker. Yeah, he it, like I said, uh, I, it'll be in our my stock up, stock down kind of report. I only think that I have to kind of nick him is that uh, his pass coverage at times isn't as great. Um, I would like to see him get kind of more depth in some of the coverages they have. Uh, I know they run Tampa 2, kind of Illinois. Um, it's kind of their base defense. I would like to see him get more depth and, and kind of play recognition. But he, he just makes plays. I mean, he's just a playmaker. Uh, this is another kind of diamond in the rough on Illinois' defense. Uh, we know how good Lovey Smith is as a, a defensive kind of minded coach. And he's recruited some really nice talent. At Illinois, when you got Dele Harding, uh, you got Olawale uh, Batiku that is also potentially coming back next week, which I'm, I'm well, this week that I'm super excited for. It's, it's like my guy. Um, I think that I would probably want Harding in the draft more than I'd want Patty Fisher. I, I don't even think that's a hot take. Because <laughs> like Patty I, Fisher, just he's not doing anything for me. There, there are some guys that we like for for like two years. We've been told that Patty Fisher was like a great a great linebacking prospect. Like could maybe break the streak. Of, like his Northwestern hasn't had a first round uh, pick since like two thousand and four. That like he was gonna be the guy. It's like no, I preferred Anthony Walker when Anthony Walker was at Northwestern. Like. Patty Fisher is like he just screams day three run day three linebacker to me, and yeah. like Deli Harding, I would take him at the end of like day two, early day three. Well, Patty we, Fisher is like mid day three for me. Well, Patty Fisher, he, his coverage isn't exactly great, and he does miss his miss tackles from time to time. I mean, we saw Michigan State game. He he pretty he he did not look good against Michigan State. Uh, specifically, um, he really hasn't looked good the last few weeks. And I know the the stats will say something different, but when the game is kind of in the balance, I mean, I I watched you know I watched some of the Northwestern Indiana game. We'll talk about here in just a minute. Um, you don't hear his name called as often. Nope. You, see, you hear uh, is it Graziano or God? I can't remember. Uh, Graziano. Yeah, you Joe Graziano. That. You hear his name called. Uh, you you hear the other linebacker ne- linebacker's name called as well. But you really don't hear uh, too much from Patty Fisher. So I would definitely take Dele Harding over uh, Patty Fisher at this point. Um, and I guess it's just going to be another year. Northwestern doesn't have a first round pick because there is no one close this year. No, there is not. Um, next up. And I think I figured out why that, that we get that echo is because of just how loud my voice is. Um, but next up is the game that I watched live, Indiana and Northwestern. Um, man, I got to see just how bad Northwestern is live uh, on my laptop. I was watching it, and from the moment the game started, Stevie Scott was taking the souls. Uh, I believe it was his first two carries of the game. He ran over three separate Wildcats. <laughs> like you've been saying the last few weeks, 2021 RB1. Man, Stevie Scott's just so good. 6'3", 230, 
fast, strong, he's a has a little bit of Derrick Henry to him. I always say he looks even more elusive than Derrick Henry. Henry just looks like a tall runner. Stevie Scott, he's more, I wouldn't say more to the ground, but he's a lot more level as a runner. He's not super high. Um, and at first, I mean, first couple games, I was like, I don't know about this guy, you know. They play Ohio State, uh, even the Michigan State game, he really didn't look that great. But since that point, man, he, he has taken over um, Indiana's offense, really. I mean, you've had Michael Penix in and out of the lineup. Uh, I mean, he played, what, most of the half, but he left. Yeah, he got hurt second. He left the game. Payne Ramsey came in. He kind of struggled, but they went to uh, Stevie Scott and – the rest is history. I mean, he's he's even adding, you know, receiving kind of as Arsenal. I think next year, if you add their receiving uh, part to his game, he could be cemented as a first-rounder next year if he kind of drastically improves. It, it kind of reminds me kind of Jonathan Taylor. Like, they don't really use him in the passing game. But if they start using Steven Scott more in the passing game, just imagine next year they got Penix back. He's looking really good. Like, he, he looks phenomenal. When he when when he plays, it just it's a different offense. Um, so our boy Wap played very well again. Uh, two catches, only oh, two catches. Man. I mean, he but seventy two yards. Did uh, you see? You saw that one down the seam. Yep, I watched. You might want play. to cover him, Northwestern. Like, I, I watched that play probably like ten times on loop. Just the the ball placement, then like the shoestring tackle. I mean, Wap would have been out of there. For sure, man. He, I'm so glad that that he's starting to get more national attention. He's he's on the Blitnikoff finalist uh, watch list. So he deserves it. I mean, he. I mean, what the 14 reception game he had against uh, Michigan State was insane, and then he kept following up with better and better performances. Like I said, uh, he leads the the conference in catches, yards, yards per catch, like. The only thing is, he's just he's missing the touchdowns. He's not getting into the end zone, but he just puts some monster stats. I love this kid. I don't know if he's going to actually declare, but you know what? If he decides he's going to come back in another year with targets, because I mean, he's he came on the scene from nowhere. He had like thirty catches in his first two seasons. Like, yeah, this is got, a dude uh, we're going to have to watch. Yeah, he got hurt last season, so he missed most of last season with injury. Um, you know what I think it. You know what I think it is. He changed his number from twenty-two to wearing number one. Look, man, it takes a I, lot of swag to to like after two years be like, nope, I'm changing my number to number one, and he's been balling. When you uh, got that, when you got that number one on, man, you you got to show out. It's it's, yeah. a, it's a written rule of football. Now I'm gonna bring this up. I'm gonna bring this up because we took a little bit of flack on Twitter uh, for suggesting that maybe. Not all is well at Northwestern. I don't even think that's a maybe. <laughs> it, it definitely isn't, but someone definitely got offended by us insinuating that. The tweet was with Florida State firing um, Willie Taggart that uh, Pat Fitzgerald was already on his phone trying to get off the sinking ship that is Northwestern. Now, I did not think... When I sent out this tweet, that the first response I was going to get was, well, how could you say that, that he's on the hot seat? He's had good seasons. That is true. 
They've been very good the past four or five years. Which, you know, and yes, Northwestern historically has not been a football powerhouse. I'm aware of that. Where my thing is, and where I'm coming from with this, is a little thing called standards. And when you have five straight, seven or eight, even nine win seasons, going a potential two in ten is no longer acceptable. I realize that it's his alma mater. I am aware that it is very hard to get fired from your alma mater. But, Devin, who got fired from their alma mater in the NCAA last year? Cliff Kingsbury. It is not impossible. Also, I am not saying that Florida State should hire Pat Fitzgerald. I am not saying that they are any, under any obligation to. I'm not even saying they should interview him. The joke was that with that being open, Pat Fitzgerald is going, you know what, it's been great coaching at my alma mater, but this team is going right down the tubes and I'm going to get out of here. It, they're probably not going to interview him, probably not going to give him the job, and he's probably going to get fired. Okay? I am not the only one saying this. Google it. Um, yeah. I, mean, I did not think that this was going to be such a controversial take that Northwestern isn't good. Look at the 1-7 record. By the way, two teams in conference eliminated from uh, bowl eligibility. One is Rutgers. The other is the defending Big East West... Uh, uh, sorry, the defending Big Ten West champions. <laughs> I mean, it, I, do, I just don't understand why, you know, like I said, like you were saying, that this was even an issue because you can't go from, like best in your side of the conference to like worst and not expect, you know, to feel some heat and a potential firing. I mean, you can't just sit on your hands and be like, yep, he's, he's gotten us here, here, here. You know, he's taking this program to new heights. Uh, oh, here's a one in seven season. Like you can't expect to continue to, pretend like this is an issue. I mean, and the also, fact that also. the fact he's not handling the media well this year either. I don't think nobody's paying attention to that because they suck. But not only, he's not, not held it. He's not handling well. Ne there's a, there's that old phrase of never say never. Nobody was thinking that midway through year two, Willie Taggart was going to get fired because of just how much guaranteed money he had on the table, right? And yet here we are, and Willie Taggart's been fired. Um, we've seen a coach last year fired from his alma mater. Who was, I mean, Texas Tech historically has been better than Northwestern. And under Kingsbury, like, they were okay. But it was like, yeah, we need to be better. In this case, Fitzgerald has raised the bar. Absolutely. But, like... I mean, the on-field product is terrible. The, I mean, I, I seriously just searched in Twitter, Pat Fitzgerald, yesterday, and all I saw were Northwestern fans laughing at the fact that Pat Fitzgerald, once again, yelling at the referees. And, like, and tweets like, how is Pat Fitzgerald going to blame everyone but himself for this loss? Yeah, in this post-game interview, he literally doesn't take the ownership like, yeah, this game is on me, you know, we didn't plan well. He always finds something to nitpick at. Like like you said, the referees, he's arguing with referees almost every 
game at this point. He looks like he knows he's on the way out. Just I wa they showed him and of course I have the game I had the game on mute. And all I can see is like this man just looks defeated. He looks like he knows that this is probably gonna end end poorly for him. He knows. Like the team has checked out on him. He's really checked out on the team. I mean, they haven't they haven't scored a touchdown in 37 drives. <laughs> it's been you, you two know, and a half games since they scored a touchdown. You know what perfectly summed up their season at the end of the half? <laughs> Sorry, not even two and a half games. It's been three and a half games. It's been 14 quarters since they scored a touchdown. 14 quarters. You don't keep your job when you can't score for three and a half games. Well, that and the fact that... I guess we found our weekly rant. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we tried to avoid it, but it was inevitable. Um, but, I mean, the play at the end of the half, I mean, they didn't throw a Hail Mary. They tried to flick things around. Like Hunter, Hunter Johnson <laughs> that game was so bad. Hunter Johnson literally flicked it to Indiana defensive lineman. <laughs> it doesn't get much worse than that. Yeah, I watched that play, and I so I had the television on. I was watching television with, you know, with the family, and I just started laughing. And my mom looks at me and goes, "What's so funny?" I just said Northwestern, and she goes, "Ah, gotcha." <laughs> like yeah, even my, my mom does not watch college football, but knows that there are two things in in the Big Ten that are a certain Rutgers is a joke, and Northwestern is going to do something really stupid. And when she asked what exactly they did, I explained it. And my mom, who has been a football fan all of her life, just started cackling. I showed her the replay, and my mom was inconsolable for like a good three, four minutes because she was just laughing. She just, she just could not do it. <laughs> and I don't blame her. It was, it was absolutely hilarious. But we can move on. Uh, Northwestern has, has honestly replaced Rutgers in terms of laughingstock, and I know historically Rutgers has been more of a laughingstock, and again, I, I, I faced a lot of that. It's like, well, Rutgers is the laughingstock, not Northwestern. It's like, here's the difference. No one expects anything from Rutgers. There are no expectations. When, you, when, when you're like head coach at Rutgers at the moment, it's like, can you get us one or two wins? When you're Pat Fitzgerald, like, we were expecting this team to be like eight, nine, ten wins potentially. Not one in ten. Like... <laughs> Yeah, this I is, mean, like, th this needs to end. Like, that's the thing. Yes, historically, they were not a thing. Then they became a thing, which means that not being a thing anymore, no longer an option. I'm not saying he's going to get fired. I'm not saying, well, I am saying he should get fired. But if he doesn't get fired, it's next year you need to, like, get us back into 6-7 win territory or, sorry, man, you're gone. If you're not already gone, like, I'm sorry. I think he's going to bail for a bigger job because I realize he turned down NFL jobs last year. He thought he was coming back to a good program. He was not. He is responsible as the head coach to make sure that that team remains competent. He has not. That is all I'm going to say. That is the last thing I'm going to say about Northwestern because, thankfully, uh, they have a bye week this week. Actually, no, they don't. Never mind. Rutgers has a bye week this week. I got my I got my bad teams mixed up. Let's get into the preview, shall we? Let's go ahead. <laughs> All right. 
Speaking of games that are going to be over really quickly. Oh, by the way, Indiana won the last one 34-3. Uh, not that it really matters. Um, speaking of games that were over quickly, last week Maryland lasted about eight and a half seconds. This week they're rewarded after their shellacking by Michigan. Not by a game... Not with a game against uh, uh, Rutgers. They already got their, their bounce back win against Rutgers. No, no, no. They get Ohio State on the road at Ohio State. Look. How, I, how, how many minutes does this stay close? Uh, I say, honestly, Ohio State really hasn't come out firing uh, in quite some time. Uh, but guess what? This is the week they do. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second quarter, they're like outscoring teams by like crazy margins in the second quarter. Um, but this game should be in, over by the first quarter. Um, I'm praying for Josh Jackson right now because Chase Young is ready to annihilate off of a bye week. Uh, 13 and a half sacks. He'll probably have 17 or 18 uh, by the end of this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, You got a score prediction? Because uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally just trying to, to, to breeze through this game. I think we know who's winning this one. I would be shocked if Maryland won. I mean, look, last year was an admiration. They they barely lost to Ohio State. That was a fun game last year. Yeah, but this, no, no way. Uh, the way Ohio State is, like, focused under Ryan Day, they will not have no mental lapses like they did last year. Um, although I think Maryland's defense, you know, they have the talent to stick around, but they're going to be on the field so long. Uh, I got Ohio State 48 to 10. Uh, I'm expecting a bigger butt whooping. Uh, I'm giving Ohio State the victory to the shock of absolutely no one, I'm assuming. Uh, I actually am curious about this game for one reason. I'm just quickly checking what the uh, uh, ESPN like predictor is saying, uh, just for my own amusement. Uh, they have it at a 99.2% win uh, <laughs> uh, possibility for... Uh, uh, Ohio State. I'm shocked it's not 100%. Uh, I am picking Ohio State in this one. I think Ohio State, Devin, you are going to marvel at the number I'm about to tell you. I am saying Ohio State wins this one 63-6. to Oh my god. Yeah, I do, ha I do not think that Maryland stands the... There, there's the old phrase, they don't stand a snowball's chance in hell. They don't stand a snowball's chance in hell. This Maryland team, as I put in my uh, Power Rankings article, which you should be able to find now at Whole9Sports.com, uh, these last couple weeks, they have played like a turtle in that if you flip them on their back, they just flail aimlessly. Um, th this is going to be ugly. Uh, yeah, 63-6. to six. I'm curious to see how close to reality that's going to be because Michigan, Ohio State, they can put up some points. Yeah, they can. Uh, and Maryland just, can't play defense. I just expect by the time uh, the third, fourth quarter rolls around that Ohio State is just literally running the ball every play. And Yeah, but that, that, that has not stopped Maryland from, well, being Maryland. That's very true. That's it's going to get ugly. <laughs> It's going to get very ugly. All right. Uh, there are only five games on tap, but this next one, oh, man. See, I'm excited for this next game, but, Devin, I'm in, I'm in a bit of a pickle, you see. Um, 
I work on Saturday until 1.30, and then I'm driving to a family friend's house uh, because we have a yearly get-together where we get drunk and watch football, mm-hmm. and college football. Uh, I will likely not be able to see this game live, which is really sad. <laughs> but I am definitely going to make sure that this is must like this is going to be recorded. This is going to be a game I probably will end up watching multiple times over. It's number five Penn State at number thirteen Minnesota. Please, dear football gods, do not let the curse of the noon game continue on this one. Well, we also got Ohio State Michigan at the end of the year at noon, so. Let's definitely pray for that. Uh, But this game is going to be big for a lot of prospects on both sides. Uh, Rodney Smith, he's getting a lot of attention for his play over the last years. Tyler Johnson, this is going to be a huge week for him. Uh, This is the best defensive back secondary uh, he's faced all season long. It will truly be a test to see if uh, he he could be a potential late first-round pick uh, in the NFL draft. Oh, I just thought of one. There's Fryer Muth, who's probably going to be covered by Antoine Winfield. That's going to be a beautiful matchup. Oh. Uh, Micah Parsons uh, going toe-to-toe with the running backs from Minnesota. I mean, it is littered with all types of matchups all over the field. I mean, I, I just can't wait to see, you know, if Minnesota is for real or not. I think that's the biggest question. We've seen Penn State win games in prime time and, play on the road against uh, Iowa and Michigan State and handle themselves pretty well. Um, this is going to be a fairly young Minnesota crowd. Uh, they got probably going to sell out the stands. Uh, they were trying to get college game day to this game, but it's a noon game, so it's impossible. But Not only uh, that, uh, there's Alabama and, and LSU. Like. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Sorry, guys. But this this game is going to, it's going to be a, a really interesting game to see you know, who each team can essentially controls their destiny to get to the college football playoff and the Big Ten championship. I mean, Minnesota loses. Now they got one loss. And now if they lose to Wisconsin, uh, they're they could be out of a Big Ten West title. Um, so th- this is this game has huge implications on both sides. Uh, also, I saw uh, during the Maryland and Michigan game, um, if Penn State loses this game but beats Ohio State, they allow, have like a 94% chance to get into the um, college football playoff. Um, still, if they're the like the Big Ten champions. Um, and then wow. for um, Minnesota, it's about the same if they lose to Penn State but still win the Big Ten championship. So this game is going to be big. There's a lot on the line. Yeah. For sure. So, who you got? <sighs> I got to take Penn State, man. Uh, I just, I don't know, man. I'm just not ready to say Minnesota has arrived uh, yet. So, uh, I got Penn State winning 24 to 17. Oh, this, oh, this is the hardest game I think we've had to pick all year. Certainly. This is easily the hardest the hardest game we've had to pick all year. Because, I mean, Penn State is very battle-tested. And we've been saying all year that Minnesota, just wait till they face someone that's actually good. 
Like they faced Georgia Southern. Their best their best win so far is probably South Dakota State because they're like one of the top FCS schools. But like they really have not faced anybody, and they struggled at first. They're hitting their stride, and actually they've been playing better in conference play than they did at any point in non-conference. Penn State, though, I mean they've. They've had tight games with Iowa. They faced Iowa already, right? Yeah. Yeah, with Iowa, and they had a tight game with Michigan. It's like, they're just a tough team, and they're so battle-tested, and like they're good on pretty much every level. <sighs> Devin, I, I got to say, this is, this is probably the hardest decision I think I've had to make in about a month. Like, <laughs> about anything. About literally anything. Alright? Like, this is like deciding what child you love more. Because you know I love so many of the players involved in this game. There, I mean, there's literally talent all over this. I mean, probably of all the Big Ten games, this is probably the game where you'll see, <sighs> in, so far at least, where there'll be a lot of future NFL players playing. Oh, definitely. I mean, and we talk about Minnesota as, like, being Rodney Smith, Tyler Johnson, and Antoine Winfield, but there's also, like, there's Carter Coughlin and Kamal Martin, the linebackers getting a little bit of hype now. Like, there's just, there's so much talent in this game. It's crazy. Both teams are pretty young, so even next year, this could be uh, a Big Ten championship matchup. I mean, I don't think they play each other next year, but... This could be a matchup that we see in years to come. Now, if I mean PJ Fleck and Jan, James Franklin are two of the young coaches in college football. See, see, normally, normally in a game like this, I would go with who has more weapons because, like, uh, Clifford is a better quarterback than Tanner Morgan. I think we can agree on that. Yeah, I would say that Minnesota has the running game edge, like very handily too. Yeah, but then at wide receiver, like. Bateman, Ottman, Bell, and Johnson, but then you also have KJ Hamler and Fryermuth. You know what? Screw it. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna say Minnesota takes this one 20 to 17. I think that that defense has enough enough playmaking ability that they can slow KJ Hamler, and the running game for Penn State has not been a thing for several weeks. Minnesota off a bye week with the upset victory. Why not? I'm going to say 20 to 17. Not bad. It took me about 5 to 10 minutes to finally figure out who I was going to pick. I mean, that's why it took me a minute to figure it out because this is not a game you expect to be a blow, and you certainly don't hope it doesn't hope it turns into a blowout, but. Man, if there was ever a game where Penn State could implode, this could be the one. Here's the thing. Is that these two teams are so evenly matched. I would not be surprised either way with this game. Like, if Minnesota wins, I'm not at all surprised. If Penn State wins, I'm not at all surprised. I just, I know this is going to be a close game. I just, I know. I'm looking forward to seeing just all that talent. Yitor Gross Matos and all of the guys I mentioned for for Minnesota. KJ Hamler. 
Uh, Micah Parsons, even though he's not draft eligible yet. Like, there's just Robert Windsor. There's just there's talent everywhere on this field, man. This is probably the second best game of the week. I mean, we all know that LSU and Bama is the, is is the top game of the week nationally. This is the second. Definitely for sure. Um, this this is the this is the one that uh, you know. This is not a game that people were expecting coming into the season to be circling, and this is a must-see game. But here we are in uh, week eleven, and can you imagine the scenes if we get nine and zero Minnesota? Like they'd be what top eight, top seven? They might be even top six. They could leapfrog. They could leapfrog some folks because they don't have. What they won't have a single loss, and they finally they'll have, they'll, they, they they'll have a hallmark win. Yeah, they beat. Uh, I think will be a top four team. I mean, that's that's as good as it gets. But you, then you kind of worry about that hangover because they still have Wisconsin and uh, Iowa on the horizon, and both. Dude, if they run the table and go into the Big Ten championship undefeated against Ohio State. Whew. You want, oh my talk, God. you want to talk about a must-see game? I mean, you got <laughs> you got a team that's never been there before, and a team that's uh, seems like always there. It'll be an intriguing matchup. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Uh, although I got to say, the prospect of that is a lot more exciting than the prospect of third-string quarterback at Purdue versus Northwestern. <sighs> Man, wasn't this game supposed to be fun at the beginning of the year? Man, this is about to be a third-string quarterback going up against Northwestern, who has a quarterback carousel right now. We don't even know who's going to start for Northwestern next week. By the way, kudos to Northwestern for not throwing interceptions last week like I thought they would. They did fumble three times. So, I mean, the turnovers are still there because, well, I mean, I they could open a bakery with all these turnovers. Uh, all coming from the quarterbacks. Like, that's what makes it even funnier. That's just the quarterbacks that seem to fumble. Uh, and, well, obviously throw the interceptions. This, this, team, this team is garbage. But I have a question for you. We all know that Northwestern is bad. Are they lose to a third-string quarterback in a, in a pass-happy offense bad? Yes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> you took no hesitation in saying that. There is nothing they've done offensively. You get, I, I haven't seen a good offensive drive for them in like five weeks. Yeah, they haven't scored a touchdown in three and a half games. Like, how do they expect me to believe in them? Like, they can't even move the ball against backups. <laughs> Hey Devin, Devin, I, I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you a question. When was the last time Northwestern scored more than three points? Guess Wisconsin. Nah, uh, was that Nebraska? They, th- which was the week after. Oh, I they forgot that. 10. I forgot that game even happened. Yeah, that was what. That was uh, October fifth. That was the last time that they scored a touchdown. That was a month ago. Yeah, that was a month ago. Uh, and that happened in the third quarter of that game. Wow. Uh, they have... Oh, my God. 
Northwestern's high for points on the year. Just 15. take a guess. It, it's 15 against Wisconsin. Oh, no, sorry. They did uh, beat UNLV 30-14. to 14. I was about to say, yeah, I was trying to think of the team they played that they beat soundly. Well, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but in their, losses, in their losses, 7, 10, 15, 10, 3, 0, 3. I like that consistency. Now, <laughs> well, I, you know what? It's an alternating. Um, I did say that they were going to get shut out by uh, Indiana's defense, uh, and that didn't quite happen. They did almost give up a defensive touchdown on that hilarious end of uh, end of half call. Um, Purdue again, not a good defense, but this offense is. I mean. Th- there needs to be a new word to describe how laughable they are. They are they are that bad. However, I do think that they can score maybe nine points this week. <laughs> I think that they could maybe put up nine. It's going to be all field goals, and I almost considered picking up their kicker for fantasy. But then I realized you actually have to get into scoring territory for that to happen, and I just don't have enough faith that they can do that enough. I'm obviously taking Purdue. This game is going to be terrible because you have a third-string quarterback without their best receiver because I think at this point Rondale Moore was just decided, you know what, screw it, I'll come back next year. Honestly, yeah. Um, they're they're going to be so dangerous next year. They are. Because Plummer's going to be back and hopefully healthy. And then they've got, you know, Bell and, and more. But, like, here's the thing. These, Purdue got lucky and beat a Nebraska team when they probably shouldn't have. They are going to handle Northwestern, which means that they will stave off elimination for yet another week. Purdue wins this one in a lackluster 14-9 game. What do you say? 24-6, Purdue. You think, that, you think Purdue is going to be able to score 24 points? Northwestern defense, I don't, I don't think there's nothing they, that they told me that they can stop anybody, really. I mean, I would I, rather watch the uh, Dr. Pepper Fansville ads on loop than watch this game. <laughs> uh, if I, I really wanted to actually have some fun during this game, I would just only take the game off mute and pay attention when the Allstate ads come on because those are actually good. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, I don't care at all about this game. Uh... There's a lot more cussing that I wish I could do, but I'm not going to. I have no interest in this game. Let's move on to uh, Illinois and Michigan State. There's a little bit more um, intrigue in this one, I think, maybe. Well, you got two teams that can't really pass the ball effectively. (laughs) One's supposed to. One's supposed to have a pro quarterback on, on its offense. Remember when we had we thought we had uh, three quarterbacks who are going to get drafted in the Big Ten? <laughs> Remember those? Now there's one. Maybe. Nah, Stanley will get drafted. Seven round? See, here's the thing in this quarterback class, and we're getting off a, 
we're getting onto a bit of a tangent, which, by the way, if you really want to know across all conferences draft stuff, there's the whole nine draft podcast hosted by Josh Berg, um, which you should obviously check out. This, and he can probably back me up on this, is that really after like the top seven guys, there's a massive drop-off at the quarterback position. I have Stanley at QB8, which probably means fourth, fifth round. I think that's even too high. Probably. It's not I a think, good quarterback class I, I after, I, after the notable guys. I think at that point you're just drafting off his arm. Because yeah. his decision-making isn't really that great, to be honest. That offense isn't that great. Um, but, I mean, there are obviously some prospects uh, to watch in the Illinois-Michigan State game. Oh, oh, we forgot to mention this at the top. How about the Joe Bocci situation? Ooh. So, for those who don't know, our guy, Joe Bocci, failed a drug test and has been suspended by the Big Ten I believe indefinitely, correct? Yeah, just the rest of the season, rest of his college career. So his uh, college career is done. Yeah, which is a shame because, like, you and I were both really high on him. I had a second-round grade on him. Now, I know I was probably a round higher on him than pretty much everyone else. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't know if this is going to be something that's going to keep him from being able to go to the Combine. I wonder whether or not he's going to be invited to the Senior Bowl as a result. Yeah, it makes you wonder. Uh, it definitely hurts him not only, you know, for him. Not I mean, he, hang, could, but... he could fall big. He could fall big. Because you wonder, I mean, coming into the year, people were like, well, he's probably like a round four or five guy. And it was like, well, maybe he's like around two or three, like three or four, like really I, I five. Think, I think he'll have a chance to kind of correct himself when they start having those draft interviews. And You'd hope so. Because um, I our think guy that, Connor Rogers said that this is the type of thing that might cause him to go undrafted, which scares me. Because, I mean, he's so talented, and we've seen guys with a lot worse off-field issues get drafted. Yeah, uh, I think somebody will take a chance on him. Uh, just from what I hear about him, I mean, he's kind of a high character guy, even though he made a huge mistake um, with that. Um, he's not hes not the only player we've seen get kicked off the team. Um, Michael Divinity for LSU also got kicked off the LSU football team. Uh, I know, they said he left for personal reasons. Oh, got you. Yeah, uh, but uh, like, you know... Yeah. It could be a thing of he took something and didn't realize it. Or, you know, I mean, whatever I, the case may be, I hope he gets a chance to, to, to set the record straight. Um, but, I mean, he's he's going to find himself in for a fall. And it sucks. I think. It, I mean, this year his tape has been phenomenal. He really did kind of set himself apart in... Really, what's an underrated linebacker class? Because sure. everyone thought that this class was going to suck after Simmons and Moses, but there's talent, and he was he was he was holding his own in a very good linebacker class, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, his best tape, I think, was Ohio State first half. Um, honestly, the way he was flying to the ball, um, tackling Dobbins and Fields in the backfield. I mean. 
to me, that was one of his his better games for sure. And it was on a national stage, and people were starting to see the hype around him. You know, in that first half, obviously second half, you know, it just blew. They just blew the doors open, um, and then in the second quarter. But I certainly hope he does get drafted. But if not, even if he does go on drafted, I think he's the type of guy where he will make a roster and then find himself kind of in rotation and be kind of, you know, eventually take over some team. I think he's that type of talent and has that type of work ethic. So I think, you know, this is going to be obviously be a setback for him, but I think we'll, this isn't the last we heard of him. No, for sure. Um, I mean, I think Michigan state does have enough on defense that they can probably still, you know, get into a bowl game without him because they do still have that ridiculously talented front four. They got some, some guys in the back end. Uh, it's just the offense just hamstrings this team at every opportunity. Um, Illinois, they can't pass the ball at all. They've basically gone to uh, a, a, an option offense without actually being an option offense because they run the ball like 50 times a game and pass it like 12 because uh, Brandon Peters is just not good. Um... I mean, Illinois, they, they have a playmaker on defense at every level because you have Batiku, you have Dele Harding, and then you've also got Tony Adams. There, there, there are, some, do, there are some, some great sleepers in this game. Uh, Illinois' defense has just ratcheted up at the right time, making I, enough plays. And that, is why Dylan, uh, that is why Devin... I am picking Illinois to win this one, 28-17. I think Michigan State can maybe get a couple of touchdowns. They haven't really shown a lot of ability to do that in a good month or so. I think that they can get two, but I think with, I mean, their run game's not there. Their passing game is spotty at best. Illinois, I don't know how they're going to get 28 points, but... Because, I mean, their offense is not really built to put up big numbers either. Maybe there's another Tony Adams pick six. I mean, the, maybe there's, the, maybe the there's another scored, Dele Harding pick six. The defense scored twice last week. I mean, they're literally scoring once a game at this point. They're um, good. Yeah, they're. I think they're, I mean, like I said, they, they struggle in the, the first couple weeks. The Like the stretch of games, they lost like three or four straight. They just couldn't stop the run, but now they they can stop the run. They've kind of gotten their um, footing, so to speak, defensively at least, uh, much more improved. Uh, like you said, they got a bunch of sleepers. Uh, I would love to see uh, Kenny Willekes kind of come back to prominence. Uh, and with Bachi out now, I want to see him kind of flash more for me because uh, I, I think in your mock draft, you had him going at the end of the first round. Yeah, he's blown a bit for me. Yeah, uh, just because he was just playing that well at that point. Yeah, he's he's really fallen off in the past month or so. Really, as uh, the the stock for Kenny Willickus, as much as the offense has struggled, he's kind of gone oddly with that offense. Like my edge rankings are are changed. Like Gross Matos is 
is rising and he's kind of he's kind of fallen. I still have him in top five, but I don't know how much longer that's gonna that's gonna keep up when you've got the nation's leader in sacks and Curtis Weaver. Uh, Terrell Lewis is healthy. Still, I'm waiting on getting another game of Chase on in and Daryl Taylor from Tennessee. Like they're just all these edge prospects. It's like, what do you do with Kenny Willikins? Is he less of like that first, second round guy, or is he more of that like late day two, early day three type guy? Uh, I think the next couple of weeks will go a long way in determining that. Um, at this point, I would say late second round early third, uh, just because it's, it's been a while since I've seen him really flash. Last probably three, four games, he really hasn't done a whole bunch. Um, I, would, I would love to see him really kind of step forward here. And Like I said, with Bocce going down, well, not going down, but Bocce being uh, oh, wow. down, um, I would love to see him, you know, really ratchet it up. Uh, but I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to take Illinois in this game. Uh, Michigan State just hasn't shown me anything uh, offensively in like a month and a half, to be honest, since like the first half of the Ohio State game. That's the last time I've seen this offense look somewhat reliable and somewhat moving the ball. And that was a long time ago. Um yeah, uh, I think this would be a low-scoring game. I got twenty to ten Illinois. Uh, I don't think I think this this is a game where both teams run the ball a ton. Uh, Lewerke, man, we haven't said that name in a while, <laughs> but Lewerke, he's he's gonna probably make a few mistakes um, and just airmail some passes that he's been doing all game long, well, all season long. So I got Illinois in this one. All right, and to finish it up, we've got number 18, Iowa, at number 16, Wisconsin. A game that, at the beginning of the year, we thought was going to determine that division. And, I mean, Iowa is still technically alive in the race for it because, like, they've had losses to Michigan and, and, uh, and Penn State. But, I mean, Wisconsin's got two conference losses as well. This is really... I mean, they're, they've got to hope that they both beat Minnesota in order to stay alive. Yeah, this is a do-or-die for both teams. Uh, Wisconsin loses. They're not winning the Big Ten West Championship. Uh, well, Big Ten West title, I should say. Um, and if Iowa loses, pretty much same deal. Uh, both teams, don't they have both have two losses in the conference so far this season? I believe um, Iowa losing to Michigan and Penn State. Uh, and uh, Wisconsin losing to Illinois, which is is, is going to that loss is going to sting this the fan base and the team for a while, and uh, also losing to Ohio State. This is going to be what you call an old fashioned football game. Isn't that going to be a lot of uh, high you know high octane offense in this game? We sixty plus rushing attempts between both teams at least. Oh, easily. Easily. Smash that over if you can bet on that. Um, God, I, I wonder what the over-under on this game is. Probably like 28. 50. But <laughs> 50. If that. Um, yeah. This is... Th th this is a 4 o'clock game. Wow, there are no primetime Big Ten games this week. None. 
Not even the LSU Alabama game is prime time. Yeah, that's a two thirty game. Like so, you could deflect that. Like, I, well, I don't C- know. CBS is gonna want what they want, I guess. Yeah. Um, sorry, I just saw Scalabissier pull up for a three pointer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> forgot he was still in the NBA. Um, I'm taking. Oh, this is tough. Like, this is actually tough. This is tough for a completely different reason than the Penn State-Minnesota game was. Well, because teams I'm, are, I'm, they're, they're literally mirror images of each other. They really are. Uh, I'm going to take Iowa. Where's the game being played? Uh, Wisconsin. Mm. And I'll tell you why I'm taking Iowa. Because when I was on the Whole Nine podcast back in July... I said that Iowa was going to win the conference. Now, yes, that looks absolutely absurd now. <laughs> it does. Well, well, at least you didn't pick Nebraska. At least. Well, I, I called that they were going to be overrated. Uh, but when I – like, I, I said that they were going to win the division. Not the, not the conference. Uh, I said that they were going to win the division. Um, but I felt like – on paper, they were a, they were more than just one player, which is what we've seen Wisconsin is. I think that the defense for Iowa can take what was done by Illinois, can take what was done by Ohio State, and they can really bottle up Jonathan Taylor. If they can do that, there is nobody on that Wisconsin offense that scares me after that. The quarterback is a freshman not used to playing in big games. The receivers, they don't scare me either. Iowa's got the defensive backs to, to match up with them anyways. I, was, I think the defense is similar enough. I understand that Wisconsin has a very good defense, but I'd rather have you know, good defense and serviceable offense that's well-rounded than great defense and I have to rely on one guy to go off or I'm screwed. I'm going to go with Iowa 17-14. Honestly, that's probably going to be close to what the score is. Wouldn't it be crazy if it was like 35-28 to 28 or something like that? I would <laughs> cry. <laughs> um, I think this is a game AJ Epineza has to prove that he's worthy of the a high first-round pick. I'm starting to see in a lot of these mock drafts. Um I, I, this, I uh, saw a mock draft today uh, where he was, I believe, barely top 20. Yeah. His stock's fallen a bit. Yeah. Uh, I think this has to be the prove-it game for him, in my opinion. Um, you're going to have predictable third and longs um, because simply we know what's coming from both teams. Um, so this is this is the game for me that I think will, you know, kind of solidify is he going to be for sure a first round pick and is he going to be worthy of it you know um that just kind of worries me that you know he really hasn't flashed this year and granted he was like you like everybody's been saying he was a rotational guy last year and had that impressive season but I want to see him be that guy that 
can not only rush the passer, but stop the run. He's going to have to be huge in stopping Jonathan Taylor this week. Um, and Wisconsin's offensive line is really going to be put to the test because this is as good as a front four uh, as there is in college football. They just played one of the toughest front four in college football with Ohio State, and we saw how that ended up for them. Uh, I think this is a long day for Wisconsin's offense. Uh, I don't think they will be able to – I think they'll do a better job of blocking the defensive ends, the edge rushers that I will present to Chauncey Goldston and A.J. Epineza, but I think they still struggle, especially if they get put in those third and longs. Um, I'm going to pick Iowa to win, too. Uh, I just – like I said, I've never been a believer in Wisconsin this season. Uh, and like I said in previous podcasts, I totally whiffed on the Michigan State-Wisconsin game. But I had the right thinking, but it wasn't the right team. Um, and this team, it just got exposed against Illinois. It got exposed against Ohio State. Uh, I, I just don't see their ceiling right now. I think they're trending in the wrong direction. Uh, I got Iowa in this game uh, in a close one, 20-14. Yeah, yeah. And, um... This is going to be an interesting one to watch or watch a condensed game or watch the highlights of. I, I wouldn't exactly want to sit down and dedicate four hours of my life to this game, but I mean, it's going to go a long way in deciding which one of these teams is going to be more of competition towards uh, Minnesota, who I ultimately do think will win uh, the division. I think um, just I think just with, with the way their schedule is set up, they will at, will at least split one of the games between Wisconsin and Iowa. I don't see them losing both games to both of, both of those schools at this point. Um, I just don't see it. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. Um, as always, guys, follow us on uh, Twitter. Mike Spencer, WNS for me. Real D underscore Jackson for Devin. Big Shots podcast with a... Uh, one in place of the I in big uh, for the show. Um, you can tweet us really whenever you want. Devin and I are pretty good at getting back to responses. Uh, no b- mailbag this week. Uh, maybe one next week. Hopefully the two marquee games turn out to be as predicted. Um, yeah. Till next time, guys. Take it easy.